welcome to the Shushbox Podcast, a safe space for self-expression, healing, and empowerment. Hosted by me, Sunita, founder of Shushbox, the wellness platform supporting survivors of sexual trauma. Hi listeners, welcome back for another episode of the Shushbox Podcast. This week we're joined by survivor Lauren Eden Pan who was groomed and sexually abused by her HIV-positive father. Lauren has waived her right to anonymity to speak out about the abuse she suffered to help other survivors who may be in a similar situation get the help they need. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, comments or concerns, please send those through to hello at shushbox.com. So hello Lauren and welcome to the Shushbox podcast. Hiya. Happy to have you here. Finally we made it. (laughs) (laughs) But no okay we've made it which I'm really happy. I'm really grateful that we found the time because I know you're really busy. We were just talking about it there. You have your two girls. um, So yeah I'm happy that we've found the time finally to have this conversation because I came across your page and yeah, I was really inspired by your story. So yeah, maybe if we just start with like a little mini introduction. Yeah. So um, like you said, I've got two little girls um, and I run my own business selling like a load of different paper goods and like nursery art illustrations, all that kind of thing. But more recently, I waived my right to anonymity and I spoke to the press about how I was abused by my dad who was also HIV positive when I was a teenager and I kind of did that with the hope that by actually speaking out about it it would help like a lot of other people to try and get rid of like feelings of shame and stuff and yeah since then I've like been on like a few different podcasts and I was in Take a Break magazine as well um, just trying to kind of share it as much as possible and just open up like important conversations about it really amazing so powerful what you're doing and yeah what um got you to kind of I guess it is that wanting people not to feel alone is that kind of what drew you to waving anonymity I can't even say it (laughs) waving the anonymity how do you say that anonymity anonymity (laughs) sorry um it happened quite out of the blue to be honest like my my dad's sentence finished this year and I think since having like my own kids it kind of sparked me to kind of actually deal with my trauma because I think as a teenager I'd very much kind of brushed it under the carpet um and I I wanted to write a book about my story Mm -hmm. um which is still something that I want to do but I kind of I shared about it on a group um on Facebook with like journalists and small businesses and all of those kind of people um basically just asking for advice on like self-publishing books and things like that because it's not something that I really know anything about um and as soon as I posted and I just it went a bit mental with like journalists and things approaching me and I ended up going with a freelancer in the end she's really lovely like she still like is in contact with me now and she wrote an article for the sun and the mirror and then after that it was kind of picked up by more and more people but yeah it just kind of happened out of the blue but I'm glad that it did if that makes sense yeah definitely and how long ago was that uh this was two three months ago now so not that long ago okay yes it's all pretty current still and yeah. how do you feel now that you have obviously it's a big experience that you went through and now knowing that there's people out there who might have gone through something else can read your story and you know feel like they're not alone how yeah, are you like feeling quite, quite like overwhelming at the time like a to kind of share it with that many people but also 
just the sheer amount of people that reached out and was like this has happened to me too or something similar has happened to me it really kind of hit home how how common it actually is yeah well congratulations for you know using your voice and you know inspiring others to 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 kind of not come forward because obviously not everybody would want to not everybody does want to talk about that experience but I think having people like yourself sharing those experiences just helps so many people even if it is just so that they can you know feel like they're not alone and see somebody else like talking about what's happened to them and you know maybe get that help or maybe you know look at what's happening to them in their circumstances I mean gosh it's so it's so recent isn't it yeah. But I mean, in terms of your actual story, I don't know how comfortable you kind of would be going into it. But I know that you mentioned, obviously, this was happening within your family. And I think sometimes there's a big thing with Me Too and everything. And that's I think that has been really great in the last however many years. But when we talk about child sexual abuse and when we talk about it in families, people don't realise that that actually happens. And it happens a lot more than you think. So, yeah, I, I mean... I can't remember like, the official like statistic, but I think it was somewhere up around like 90% of the time. Like it's someone that the child knows. Yeah. Um, yeah, like in schools and everything, it's very much like stranger danger like nobody nobody teaches people to kind of be aware of the people around them I guess which is quite sad as well to think that you'd have to be wary of the people that are closest to you yeah I mean I think it is something majority of the time it is somebody that the person Mm. knows so yeah this whole vision of sometimes what they portray a perpetrator to be is not not what you think it's sometimes someone who's very calculated actually in their actions and you know they're getting access to to the victims um which is sad you know we've spoke about it on a few podcasts and I think when we talk specifically about child sexual abuse this is a conversation that I really am passionate about that needs to be had because it's it happens but a lot of people don't want to accept that it's happening or don't want to believe that it's happening and then survivors like you were saying at the start of the call you know go and live their lives with all carrying all this shame uh with them when that shame doesn't actually belong to them with your actual story when did you get to a point of kind of moving forward with it do you know what I mean like when were you at a stage to kind of go into that group and talk to people I think like when I had my own children it really kind of set in stone like that I wanted to kind of heal like I, I looked at my daughter and I was like how how could anyone do that to their own child like I just couldn't kind of comprehend it and I think at that point I realized like I do actually need to I can't just shut it all in a box I do actually need to get help and heal myself and go like go through that journey because like as a teenager I was very much I didn't want to talk about it I I was offered like counseling and therapy and things and I was just like no I don't want to talk about it leave me alone but talking about it definitely has helped and like even like things with the press it's been quite freeing like to just not have it as something that can be held over me anymore or like something that I have to hide like it's it's out there people know now yeah kind of gives you that I mean there is nothing to hide like you say it's it's your journey it's your story and you're taking control of like how where it's going right it doesn't end with that experience that's just one chapter of your life and you're moving forward with your children you know who've kind of not inspired you but I guess have got you to go on this inward journey to live the life to your fullest you know there's 
this is the thing with trauma I think sometimes it's hard when you're in it to to get through it to be honest like the comparison I think only talking from my own experience of when I was living in a survival state for decades (laughs) to now it's so different but I didn't know any different because I was always in a survival mode um and it wasn't until i realized I can't keep like keeping things suppressed within me until I started to go on that healing journey so with your with your story in particular you mentioned that your father he was um convicted he did get convicted so did you come forward with your story and then um no it was never something that like I came forward with so the abuse happened when I was 13 14 and my mum actually found out she had just by chance kind of like checked on my phone and she had Mm. seen text messages from my dad and like as soon as she like found out what was going on she phoned him and he he actually admitted everything to her um and she she spoke to her health visitor about it like the same day and the health visitor had actually said to her well I'll make the phone call for you because I think she felt very guilty like she knew that I was still in a place where I was like, I didn't want anyone to find out. So she agreed to let the health visitor like phone the police and yeah, then he was arrested not long after and I haven't I haven't seen or spoken to him since then. It's great that your mom was, you know, there for you and supportive. Are you has she been kind of supportive throughout the whole uh, experience since then? Yeah, like we've been really close like since like at the when everything like first came out, I think I was quite angry. I think more just because I think I was still in a state of being groomed. I was very much like, he had stopped, it's fine. People didn't need to find out. Like, this has ruined, like, so many people now. And I think because I was still so in that kind of state of mind, I was angry towards my mum, which now, like, looking back, I, I hate myself for that because she was the one person that had always been there and protected me and looked out for me. But I know, like, she doesn't hold that against me. Yeah, I mean, you were processing and there's so many emotions and, it's you know, feelings that you're going to be having in that whole situation. And I think it's great that, you know, your mum was supportive. But even looking back at yourself, I know it's hard sometimes when you're like, oh, I wish I wasn't that way. But, you know, your mum still loves you and, you know, she can see it for what that was. So yeah. you, you talked about some of the grooming techniques there um, yeah. that you're, do you call him your father still or no? Um. Well, I refer to him as my father, but I don't I don't consider him as my dad. Your father, okay. I mean, when you talk about the grooming techniques, I'm just wondering if anyone was listening, you know, uh, we haven't really spoken about grooming so much in the sense of what does grooming look like uh, on the podcast? So mm-hmm. did you? is there anything you can share with, you know, the audience who might be listening, who might be getting groomed at the moment, they don't know it, or they don't really know what grooming is. Is there anything like red flags that maybe you can now look at and be like, that actually was grooming? When like the abuse was happening, my mum and my dad had like been separated since like before I was born. And I like, even before the abuse, I was smoking quite a lot of weed. And um, my mum was obviously very against it. She was like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. No, no, no. And when my dad found out, he was very much like, oh, your mum's boring. She's uptight. Like to kind of, she, he consistently painted her as the villain and the boring one. And he he was so laid back and like, she should be more like him. 
like giving like as a 14 year old you kind of want more freedom and you want to you want people to think you're an adult when really you're still a child and like he was he was actively giving me drugs and alcohol which at the time I was like yeah he treats me like an adult like he he realizes that I'm not just some like little child but now looking back I'm like was this just so that he could have a hold over me and the same as well like I mentioned that he was HIV positive like after I say the abuse had finished he had probably in hindsight just paused um but when it had kind of come to a pause he he stopped taking his HIV medication and it like was very manipulative in like that he was he was constantly saying things like I'm a monster like I don't deserve like to be taking my medication I he would sleep on like the floor and things like that and at the time I was like oh my god like he thinks like he's this terrible person like this is all my fault and again like looking back I can see it's all just manipulation to kind of keep me there I guess yeah and it's such a young age as well like you've got nothing to compare it to sometimes I think when you're yeah. when you're that young it's you know it's confusing it's yeah. definitely confusing you wouldn't really it's hard to be like oh watch out for this grooming technique but I think at a young age it's so difficult because unless there's more conversations being had about what grooming can look like and what some of the because like you said it's not something that you'd, you'd noticed no. as that unless well because it's always so gradual like it's not something that just happens overnight so slow and gradual you don't even notice it happening until you kind of look back at it and you're like that, that was not normal yeah how did you get so you mentioned it there that you were feeling kind of that it was your fault when this when it came out and almost that it was your fault that it it had happened was it going through therapy that helped you see that it wasn't in fact your fault or yeah definitely and again like having my own children I just looked at them I was like how how could you do that I just couldn't I couldn't comprehend it or shake like that what he did was not okay and that I could I couldn't dream of hurting my own children I mean you found your new relationship though so yeah did you say that you're married Sorry, I don't know. Like you are married. You're getting married next month. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, wedding planning. Are you in like heavy wedding planning? Yeah. yeah, I'm getting there now. It's just every time I think I've done everything, there's just more. <laughs> oh, bless you. Are you getting married in Bournemouth? Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. So when you met your now soon-to-be husband, <laughs> how was it kind of going into a relationship? with somebody new uh you know as a long-term relationship but I know for myself personally and I'm, I'm literally still working on it now because I had a lot of relationships without going to therapy yeah. and now I've actually had a massive gap so I started therapy about three years ago and, you know really started to go inwards looking at my trauma going back to my childhood going back to all these resolved things uh, and since I've been doing that I've literally like not been dating or I've not been open to relationships because I've really been changing myself or working on myself to feel like when I go into a relationship I want to be like the real version of me I don't want yeah. to have to hold back I don't want to pretend or you know wear a mask um so how was it when you met your soon-to-be husband <laughs> um, yeah like he's always been like really supportive and everything he found out like about everything that's happened to me quite like really quite early on because my previous partner had basically told him everything I didn't have the healthiest relationship with my previous partner 
Um, and as soon as he found out that I was talking to someone new, like he he had logged into my Facebook and things and had messaged him, like messaged my um, current partner from my Facebook account being like, oh, I don't like going home because I fucked my dad. And oh my God. Like, and like then to have to explain that to someone who I'd been talking to for about a month, if that. I, like, I at that point I was like okay well that's that's that done like he's gonna run for the hills but like he was he was really lovely about it like he messaged me straight away he was like I think your Facebook's been hacked um oh, and then had to kind of sit down and explain to him like it, it hasn't been hacked like my ex-boyfriend has obviously still like got my passwords like, I've changed them all now but the reason he said this is like because of my past um and then had to kind of tell him everything but I, I think, although that wasn't a nice experience to kind of go through, I'm glad that he knew and that I then like wasn't hiding anything because it is like it can be difficult sometimes to open up to new people about it because you you worry like what if they what if they change their mind what if they're like no this is more hassle than it's worth or those kind of things. So I think him knowing from the start, although he didn't find out in the best way, was a positive thing. Yeah, it kind of gives you that. I mean, you probably was going to tell him anyway, but like you say, because I think you were kind of pushed into it. That's not great, obviously, what your ex-boyfriend did, but because you were in that situation and like coming, not coming clean with it, but, you know, be like, this is me from the the get-go, I think is a really good way. I mean, you know, they say you should be, wear your heart on your sleeve or (laughs) be be vulnerable, but it's not easy. It's not easy at the start at all, so... Amazing. So do you think he has helped you kind of on your healing journey? Would you yeah, say? definitely. Like he's he's always been really supportive, like with like trying to get help for like my mental health. And I I, I suffer with um, borderline personality disorder. So like I know sometimes I'm really not the most easy person to live with, but he's incredibly patient with me, which is I think really what I need yeah it's great to have a good support network around you I think isn't it when you're when you're going through anything in life you know it's sometimes being alone is good to a point but I think making sure even if it's like for me even though I'm alone not dating whatever I still have like coaches that I work with or you know I go on the podcast I still talk to people and create that support network around me so I think having a partner is great that you can trust and that you can kind of be your true self with and and who's you know who's there for you when you're growing together I mean you're getting married so I'm like well (laughs) it's pretty official for you (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay so just going back to kind of um your healing journey then because we do talk about like lots of different types of healing on Trish Barks would you say therapy for you was uh was it a certain type of therapy that you went on that really connected with you At the moment, I'm just doing like CBT with a therapist, but I am waiting to do DBT as well. And that's more to kind of just help with like regulating my emotions and stuff. Because with my like borderline, I really struggle with regulating my emotions on a like day to day basis. And I think just kind of having that stability will probably then help me with healing in other areas as well. And I've also I've also been going through restorative justice at the moment. Mm-hmm. which is definitely it's been intense but I think it has been really helpful for me personally what is restorative justice again because I've covered it a little bit on a post that we did once um you can you can do it either meeting the offender or you can do it like through letters 
I had wanted to meet my dad face to face, which for quite a long time, like it's quite like a long process. Like they go through like loads of questions with you and stuff to make sure that you're in a place to do it. And also that the offenders in a place where they're not just going to sit there and be like, it's all your fault. Like it needs, it needs to be beneficial. And he, he had agreed at the start, like to meet me face to face. And it's done like with like restorative justice people in the room and his probation officer would have been in the room. Like you don't just go meet up for a coffee. Like it's very, very like organized and like managed and things. But then at the last minute, he he then pulled out uh, just after I'd written the article for Take a Break. He he decided that he didn't want to meet me face to face because he he believed that I was just doing it for press and that that I was just going to speak about it. And I was very upfront with the fact that, like, yes, chances are I would speak about my experiences, but was there going to be a camera crew when he turned up? no like it was something that was for me to heal like I didn't want people involved whilst I was doing it I would only kind of talk about it afterwards and it wasn't that I was talking about it or planning to talk about it as an attack on him it was to try and help other people that might be considering it or not know anything about it or be like is this gonna actually help me or is it gonna do more damage it's not it's not a and not a thing that a lot of people are kind of aware of that's even an option I think yeah I've heard of it it has come up and it yeah I think it was more with the letter writing somebody was saying that they for them personally found a lot of it's quite cathartic I think just you know getting out now now that he had like changed his mind I asked if he would accept the letter which he's said that he'll accept and I've written my letter Mm. um and it's been given to his probation officer and I think he's due to like go meet with his probation officer like sometime in like the next week or so like on to be honest I'm not expecting a response from him like I I might hear like things that he said to his probation officer but other than that I'm not expecting him to write back or anything but I guess if he does that's a bonus but it's more for me anyway it's more to know that he knows what I feel like I need to say. Like I feel like he very much he he wants to kind of move on with his life and ignore what's happened and like live in his own little bubble that well that's in my past mm. and like ignore the fact that he has actually caused a lot of harm. Like I think he just wants to believe that well she's doing fine now. So so I felt like I needed to I needed him to know, well, yeah, I am doing well for myself now, but you don't know about all of these things that have happened as a result of what you've done. Yeah, I can definitely see why a lot of survivors would, you know, for me, I journal a lot, so it doesn't get sent to anyone, but still even, you know, getting my thoughts onto paper. And um, I've spoken to a therapist before about uh, actually having to like reenact what I wanted to say to someone who'd caused me some trauma, you know, envision them in that chair and I yeah. think even if they're not there, like you say, even if you don't get that response, sometimes it's just getting out those emotions or feelings that you're feeling towards that situation and releasing them. I remember it took me a while, actually, when I did that session in therapy to imagine that that person was in the chat. I couldn't do it in the first one that we did it. It took me like a few weeks. difficult to kind of start writing. But once I'd started, like I wrote the letter like in an evening. Like It was just the initial kind of getting started, I think. 
it's hard though because you yeah. know, there's so many years or you know like you say that shame you keep it all within you it stays within you and then it's all this like built up emotion sometimes and then yeah when you when you let it out it's like I remember being when I did finally start shouting at this chair and then I felt so much better after <laughs> so that was good um but yeah I think with all of this with healing you know people might listen to us now and be like gosh you're so brave for like talking even talking about it but we've been there you've been there I've been there when we felt like we couldn't talk about it we yeah. kept it within us so I just want to remind people anyone who is listening and they're feeling in that way now because sometimes I still think back connect up back to how I was then you know I couldn't talk about any of this stuff for years I just you know switched it off it didn't happen or you know none of this trauma happened I'll just go out into the world and pretend I'm fine when I really wasn't I was struggling so even if you don't talk about it even if it's something as simple as you know trying to journal or trying to find some therapy or finding the a support network to that works for you sometimes is or even just listening to this podcast and you know trying to connect with something that helps you feel like you're not in isolation because it can feel like quite it's such an isolated in place trauma yeah. in general it can make you just feel like you're the only one going through it yeah what about your business then? So creativity, you have a, a creative side to you. Is this part of your, would you say that's kind of a release or a part of your healing as well? Um, I'd say probably a bit like on like my business page and stuff. I do try and like focus it quite a lot on like positive mental health, like with like little quotes and that kind of thing. And um, like I launched like a range of planners like specifically for like combating like anxiety and I've got like a gratitude journal and things like that just to like you said just sometimes writing down like what you're worried about or like helping to kind of rationalize like okay is this what actually like worth worrying about like can be helpful just to get it down on paper sometimes absolutely I mean this is it some people might be like what sometimes what I do as well I like to uh, connect with the moon (laughs) I'll write it down and then on a full moon I haven't done this in a while but uh, apparently if you like write it down and then rip it up and then you know burn it on a full moon that as well has some type of energy I'm quite into this kind of uh, stuff by the way (laughs) so um yeah like writing down even if it's negative so sometimes if you write a load of negative things down which I had a few journals that were quite negative because that's the feelings that I was feeling um Mm -hmm. and I read somewhere that if you write on top of them with um that I I forgive myself or you know just that I love the universe (laughs) it sounds really weird (laughs) or like I love um I love my life or I'm grateful for da 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 and then I ripped it all up one um one full moon and did a little bird outside but for me that worked it made me feel like right okay these words are disappearing that pain is disappearing yeah gone it's not gone but you know in that moment I felt like lighter yeah like even just visually seeing it like burn away yeah it was pretty good to be honest (laughs) we've talked about quite a lot of things there what has been your proudest moment so far I feel like you've had such a journey at such a young age and it's only really getting started now what has been your proudest moment in your life so far um probably like having my kids like definitely they like they've such a turning point like before like having my oldest daughter I was very much 
like I just was like falling into more and more drug use and spending ridiculous amounts of money and I was just very unstable I think having my daughter really grounded me and kind of brought me back and was like okay you need to sort your shit out so yeah definitely having my kids that's beautiful and what are your hopes and dreams for them I think you know I'm not there yet with children but I do want children actually that's one of the reasons why I did start like you said sorting my shit out because I was like I want to have a family one day and I can't I don't want to transfer this to them I want to not fix me but I definitely want to have a family I definitely want to have that you know the vision the marriage all of those happy things that everybody in life should be able to access you know everybody should be able to be happy and have love and have healthy secure relationships um what are your hopes and dreams like for the future for your children and and yourself um just that they're gonna grow and have like healthier and happier childhoods and like I just want them to just be happy and then myself like again I just want to like continue to heal as much as possible I'm aware like it's it's never fully gonna go away but I think just taking back the control and and just moving moving forward with it I'd still like to write a book at some point um I'm like talking to people about it at the moment but it's just again it's a lot (laughs) Like to yeah. get it all out and down on paper, it's very intense, but it's definitely something that I want to do in the future. Well, I think you're doing amazing so far. You know, you've done so well and, you know, using your voice, using your story, and like you say, taking back that power and rewriting the narrative of actually, this is the ending, or this is the, this is, that was that one chapter. Yeah. Now, this is my next. Define you completely. Yeah. Is there anything else we could cover? I feel like that's pretty much a lot of things. If you had to leave like one piece of advice, um, you know, for our listeners, is there anything you kind of want to sign off with? Um, just that like any feelings of like shame and guilt, like they can feel like really consuming, but they're not they're not yours to bear. It's the people that have hurt you that should be feeling those feelings of shame and guilt. Um, and I think once you let go of that it can be really helpful for moving on and healing yourself thanks for listening for more information head to www.shushbox.com we see you we hear you we believe you